0: But symmetrical eclipses or symmetrical corona filaments are also beautiful. So 24 is going to be beautiful because of that.
1: I'm yeah. getting really excited. Yeah. We're, I, th- I was going to say, we might be uh, your best friends calling you up about four <laughs> days before 2024 <laughs> to check where you're, g- you're going to go. So. Yeah.
2: This episode of Eclipse on Tap is brought to you by Underberg, the German herbal digestive that is a very special after dinner drink and served in more than 100 countries as a crowning finale to gourmet meals or hearty snacks. But what about after a flight of sour beers or stouts or stouts or bold beers? If you're looking for something after a large meal, maybe it's a festive meal, maybe it's 4th of July grilling, you're feeling a little bloated and a little groggy. Grab an Underberg to feel bright and alert. I'm going to grab one right now. Yes, sir. Cheers. Welcome back to Eclipse on Tap, the podcast where we talk about eclipses of all kinds in space in general. And yes, folks, you're not hearing a beer cracking. You're hearing an Underberg unraveling. Uh, we are starting the episode 64 in the month of May with a little bit of a different flavor. Underberg, welcome, folks. Good so luck, boys. Cheers. Clink Clink them. Having a cold berg to Let start. It percolate the episode. bitches. Percolate. Mm. Oh yeah. Hmm. Max percolation percolation on that one.
3: That's
1: so good. he so Will even did us
3: the uh, honor of cooling them. This I find
1: I it's my favorite thing now as a cold, a chilled berg, even in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. It's i do ch- like it chilled a
3: lot more. it's a yeah. wonderful now that we've gotten player. onto that train I, i'm i'm
2: all aboard yeah Choo-choo. exactly absolutely Choo-choo. here we go but uh episode 64 um we're starting with underberg partially or in due part because we recently revealed an absolutely phenomenal uh tent that they've graciously sent us that is uh, eclipse on tap and underberg combined it is fantastic unbelievable it's amazing
3: yes i mean <laughs> we are not worthy no we are
2: not we are it's not it's so cool so we're so appreciative to the folks at underberg and um, for for sharing such a cool tent with us and it's um it's something we'll have for a lot of years to come so check it out if if you haven't seen it on instagram we posted some photos and i think they've really outdone themselves they yeah. have the, yep. like
3: the, the whole design i we've already started talking about next year's kit and diff- different options that we can do to incorporate Underberg on it because it's it's so artistic. It, it's mm-hmm. so
1: well designed. And it's just so cool to see our logo with Underberg. We just It just fits in so well with mm-hmm. our vibe, too. Absolutely. Uh, when we have it, especially popped it up at uh, Grattan, mm-hmm. we'll be popping that thing up throughout the summer and into the fall for various events that we got going on. Yeah, but Underground uh, Man, that thing's going to be sweet. Yeah. Be the Are finish we bringing line? it this weekend? We could. You could, yeah. We're racing Arcadia this weekend,
2: Matt yeah, and I. Let's bring it. Yeah, might as well. It's gonna be cool out. And it might it's, rain. It's so easy to. It takes like two minutes.
3: Yeah. To. to it's way easier yeah.
2: to, to um set up than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's so cool, and um, the the other thing that's been great too is when introducing it to our crew crew at Grattan. I feel like it's like you said, a very natural thing. It's not like, oh, they're you know, so there, there would be a, a, a type of tent or something that we would bring. Like, even if it was just a normal tent, it'd be like, what are, this is weird. Like, why are they, why yeah, are they bringing yeah, just yeah. like a white tent? And, yeah. But this is the exact polar opposite. It's the coolest, most natural thing. And And I love the fact too, that we, they were so kind to offer our creative input. And we were like, here's our logos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, they were amazing. They just came back with this design and it's, uh, their Underberg, like kind of old school, like uh, I don't floral, know, right? floral and de- design. It's a little and then, psychedelic. Almost like this a that, uh, yeah. that tin yeah. thing that we got. Exactly, yeah. Um, the tin from Underberg is yeah, in yeah. the same vein. And then they also though incorporated the night sky behind yeah. it. And then our logo is like a constellation. It's yep. just check out our amazing. Instagram. It's it, so we can't
3: do it justice describing it. It's so cool.
2: It's very cool. So big cheers to them. Uh, hence why we're starting the episode with an Underberg. But we're also starting it that way because. We have, in fact, already uh, recorded a bit and had the great pleasure, the honor of um, interviewing Dr. Gordon Telepin. The man is an absolute... He's the
3: Encyclopedia uh, of Eclipses.
1: He's Encyclopedia Britannica for Eclipses. He's the, the man, man, the myth, and the legend. Absolutely. Now, I mean, after talking to him, oh, man, we'll we'll, uh, we'll save that. So stick around for, for the, the second for, yeah, half. For the second half. I, I have mean, to hang on don't want to give too many, uh, no, too yeah, many we won't. sneak peeks on there, but... yep great guy and uh very good to talk to him
2: yeah we just needed to announce it in case he phase out uh from the the, the tail end of this first half <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. in <laughs> case we leave.
1: in case we bowl you today <laughs> yeah. yes no it's, um, it's
3: called a tease in the business we're teasing the second half
2: absolutely but it was it was such a pleasure to have him on so big cheers to him and uh, uh we'll certainly be talking to him again yeah um, yeah he, absolutely. you know now we're t-minus one year uh less than a year now and and he is the resource. I mean, definitely uh, just hang around for that second half. It's It was so much fun.
1: Sorry, I had to yep. crack my beer. Mm-hmm. Permission granted. So what do we got going on? <clears throat> what well, do we got well, going we, on? Like we,
3: Matt said, we've kicked, kicked off our road racing, the uh, longest grand tour.
2: Yeah, let's stay in that vein for a second. Yeah. Uh,
3: land, yeah. Longest grand tour in all the land. In all yeah. the land. Um, It's not been a particularly strong showing from us at least the no, two right. that I've been to it's okay but
1: well we accomplished the, the 25k run this past weekend so yeah, now yeah, that's, yeah, that's out of the way yep. so I think we're going to focus on some riding now yep. get some miles and I've only got about 400 miles year to date in so I'm thinking about ramping that up again so we'll yeah. be we'll be okay the first yep. few weeks though we had a I had a, a flat tire week two but we've been uh, we've been field finishes except for Jeremiah got uh lap this past week yeah but oh I had to do it didn't you <laughs> <laughs> but we've been describing it to um
2: our good friend and director sportif mr brian obermeyer the uh the 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 organizer of the Grattan race series we've been describing it to him as you know there's 17 weeks of Grattan, just rounded up to 18 and counted as a round of golf we have Squared par on the first three holes.
3: Yeah. yeah. So we'll yeah, birdie. I mean, we're like, going to birdie if it's It's like any other Grand Tour. You don't want to come in hot because you're going to fizz out, fizzle out at the end of the year. We're <laughs> coming in, and we're going to hit our peak right when it's important.
1: We, we haven't even hit the Alps yet, guys. No. We're, no, we're, I mean, these these are the
3: boring flat stages. We're yeah. in the prologue still pretty yeah. much. I mean,
2: yeah, the, the yellow jersey is going to change. It's <laughs> no. yeah. I don't know. But, no, we're having a lot of fun with it, and it's fun to be out there. Again, I can't believe it's already – this time of the year already. I know. Yeah, yeah, we got
3: like, yeah, everything's in full bloom. It's crazy.
2: It, it kind of happened overnight, too. We had
3: like uh, that tease a while back when we did Barry where it was like 80 degrees out mm-hmm. and then it went back to like 40 and shit. Yeah. And now we're, we're back, you know, 60s, 70s and it's like everything's coming to life. It's beautiful out. Yeah,
1: it is. Coming to life, making, making a sneeze. Yeah. Don't mean to complain, but get through, uh, the next few weeks you think and then it'll be okay but
2: yeah it'll be it'll be really good um coming up here soon and it's just why i was like oh yeah next week is week four of grattan already like what it's just flying by already the fact that we're almost already halfway through may stage full yeah stage full one of these times we'll biddy. as long as we don't bogey we're good yeah Yeah. i would rather come in a little bit slow Mm -hmm. uh, and then
1: end on a a good note you
2: know that's what that's I mean, that's our style as a team, as Nathan was saying, it's the drama that of Grattan. Yeah. yeah. We're looking forward to that, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep it uh, da- as uh, you'll hear in the interview later. Um, we we're talking with Dr. Gordon Telepin and it was uh, flattering to hear him call us sports guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, but he, you know, it's, it's cool to hear, to know that he listens and he, he, you know, hopefully enjoys us talking about this kind of stuff too, but we got to talk about the 25 K for a second. Yes, yeah. um, we do. We do. It was a,
1: uh, it was a, a journey of yes. great magnitude, uh, much learned from the experience. Um, even doing like a, a half marathon, just those extra two and a half miles. Mm-hmm. Really? They really get you. They do. Yeah. It was but it's it, tough. Very, very, um, I think it was, I, I'm proud of having accomplished that. And mm-hmm. the, Massive crowd down there oh, yeah. downtown. It was, what it was like a sea of people so the whole way. So
3: where I was, what um like how far out from where I was what, were the streets lined with people?
2: Um all like the a way mile, all or? the way down Ottawa. Yeah, all the way down. You think a mile? Mm-hmm. So like the final call it mile mile and a half is lined with people pretty much and then in the start too, like the first at least the first half mile is just like people. Um, really? Or first quarter mile? Maybe. Yeah. Like we saw. Like my mom and dad had randomly parked like way up the road. Like yeah. And they were going to walk to the start and or to the finish. They weren't. They knew they weren't going to see a start, but it, they actually did see a start. They just happened to like sneak into part of the group like probably o- over a minute into the race. Okay. And they were yeah. like, I was like, oh hey, <laughs> it was it was really cool. I mean, what an event it is. I mean, it, it's one of Grand Rapids like famous events in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's been going on. This was what the forty. Over 40th year, I think 42nd or 46th or something. Yeah. Um, really cool. Yeah. Yep. It was cool to go down there.
3: Emirates was so excited to have oh. eat. So, morning of, so it was you two, Matt's wife, my mm-hmm. sister, Julia, and then my wife mm-hmm. um, all ran it. I, I was a spectator. But, morning of, Emirates comes downstairs and he's like, Dad, we need to make a sign. That's, yeah, that's awesome. An eclipse, and it says M O M. And so we got this big sheet of cardboard, and I I did the etching for him, and then he got out his, like, paint pens or whatever and and colored it in. But I I was like, well, but it's not just Mom. It's, like, Team Eclipse on Tap is Uncle David, Uncle Matt, Aunt Julia. He's like, okay, write their names. And then he just, like, (laughs) markered over (laughs) them. So I'm sure you couldn't see what the names were, but I think the eclipse was pretty yeah pretty, Yeah. Yeah, it was know. cool. I could tell. Yeah, it was clear yeah. enough.
1: I was uh, seeing stars when I passed you. Yeah. I didn't even know you were there until like the last second. Yeah. But
2: yeah, it's a hard it's a hard race for sure. But it is uh it's a cool course. It as the name alludes, it is a riverbank run. I mean there's yeah. a good of those nearly 16 miles, like at least like six to eight of them are like on the riverside. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
3: You guys yeah. both had a couple of like moments there where it was like, mm-hmm. you know, didn't di- digest a gel well or hit, get a little bonky yeah, or yeah. whatever. And you both muscle yeah, mine through was,
2: right around the eight minute mile. Mine was uh early. Actually, it was weird. Uh, we started the race. Um I wasn't feeling awesome before the race, but I knew I was good. Like I knew I was fine. So we're running and it was very humid, a heavy, a heavy morning. Was, it was a cool, Cool, humid but day. humid day. And so we get to like mile four or five and we're running like th- the, the whole road is closed. So we're like almost, we were kind of running in the middle of the road. So I'm like running on the yellow line, the double yellow, and then the rain starts falling and it was pattering on the ground on this dry concrete and something about it. I almost, it wasn't like a vagal vasal reaction, but it was kind of like this weird, I just felt like almost like out of body for a second my heart rate was good. Everything was in check. And I was like, I knew it was just this weird visual or something. Hmm. I was just kind of getting, I, I get
3: that. Like if you, if you are driving in like a snowstorm and the snowflakes are all exactly. like coming at you, it's Same like, thing. it's hypnotizing.
2: Yeah. Your body's yeah. already like overstimulated by all this, all of what's going on. You know, you're still settling into your pace at that point. You know, you're, coming up on a third of the way through so you're kind of like all right when am I going to settle in yeah. like I was waiting for that I was just, it wasn't happening but then it did and I felt great the rest of the time but yeah but
1: and then yours is a bit later mine was later and it was yeah it was like I just my stomach got upset after the goo and then I felt kind of similar to what you described but like very kind of like lightheaded mm. and I was like oh my heart rate kind of started going up a little bit and I'm like wasn't going any harder than I was you were probably an alcohol withdrawal. I It might have been. <laughs> yeah. It was mile 10. A beer. It was mile yeah. 10 and I was like, oh shit, I'm going to back this off. Mm-hmm. So I had to back it down to eight and a half pace and uh, just ramp it up a little bit. Like once I got into probably two miles to go, I was out of it and I was actually ramping it back up to where I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a weird like three miles of like. Oh, it's shoot, weird how that is. can
3: happen, yeah, like in a race like that yeah. where you you go through these phases where absolutely it's like, you know i I remember that from bike racing where you, you know you go through this phase where beginning of the race, oh man, I feel like shit, and then forty minutes in, all right, like I feel okay, and then like towards the end, all of a sudden you're strong or vice versa, and you know it just like the house either collapses on you or all of a sudden you know you're like, oh wow, I got and you know, I've got I feel great,
2: yeah, absolutely, it is. Like you enter some, uh, weird zones where your mind is like, you know, you're getting like, I was actually like getting kind of almost paranoid a little bit. Like, why am I not settling into a feeling that I'm like, okay, this is like when we did the half marathon and training Yeah. where I'm like, all right, I can, I can run this pace for like a long time. Like I'm good. Yeah. Settled in. My heart rate is kind of stabilized. And it just wasn't happening, but it, it right. uh, eventually did. And and the, what you described is like exactly yeah. the right way to do it, especially with running. I feel like because yeah. otherwise, I mean,
1: bonking when you, I mean, you're done. You just yeah. yeah there's there's no there's no point in trying to force the pace. And I'm no. like, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you're gonna pay for it in a 15 miler Yeah.
3: If and, you if you try to like muscle through in a situation like that, still five miles to go. at Yeah. That point, you're, too. you're gonna
1: pay for that. Like so. Yeah. yeah, and there were a people... Was there five were a, miles
3: is, is a long run for me, and that's the, the, the last third of your race. Yeah, yeah. Like, so there was I, a lot
1: of people dropping off, too, on oh, the sides. Tons of people, tons. like, within the inside of two miles to go, like, with cramps and walking and oh, all that. Yeah. yeah, luckily, I didn't have any of that, but... And I was proud of you guys. Yeah, was, it, was, it was good. It was it good. was a
2: fun day. Um, Yeah, it, that's, that's something we definitely got to get with Gary and get, like, a little... Uh, Singlet, singlet, or something made with uh, some EOT. Yeah, because it was yeah. hard to find. Well,
3: Matt, you were easier to find. You had the My neon hat. cat. Yeah, David was hard to find. Yeah,
1: I had all black on. Yeah, but stealth. We could do we could do a full on Underberg singlet, yes.
3: a green. Oh, make it look like a bottle. Did yeah. you guys see yeah, the? the uh, did you see the? Um, sleeping bag. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, so what yeah, you yeah, sent Amazing, made. amazing. Yeah. It's
2: Underberg Denmark. Awesome. Uh, in Denmark, it's. Uh, their particular marketing team there is doing an underberg sleeping bag and it's one of the mummy style sleeping bags that like zips all the way up um and it looks like an underberg bottle it's awesome it's (laughs) It's brown with like the green stripe across it underberg and and then the inside uh fabric is the color of the paper yeah Yeah. it's It's, it's, it's amazing it's so cool they have the best merch and the best uh like marketing it's um we're like honored to especially with the tent too to be like on board so we were texting about
3: that the other week like it's a really good time to to be for us to be affiliated with underberg yes they they are putting so much effort and it's so cool to see them grow as a brand they've hit
2: a new stride with this like new generation like this generation is appreciative of it whereas others are like people are like oh it's gross or like we're like we actually really enjoy it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That was my second Underberg today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had one after dinner. I mean, honestly, right. so I,
1: good. I've been doing them for recovery just to, just to relax and, um, mm-hmm. feel bright and alert after my workout. Yeah. If I'm, uh, perfect on a long run or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's your, I mean, long run being like six miles or so get back, mm-hmm. need Absolutely. a little bit of a, uh, a lift. It's a good Popper boost. Berg, it is. Do it's it.
2: good. Natural boost. It's doesn't have, it's not like drinking uh, an energy shot. It's all natural and it just it boosts you. It's, it's fantastic. So, but uh, so as we transition the, this first half into uh, Gordon, Dr. Gordon Telepin's interview, which is you have to stick around for, it, we should transition into a little bit of space news. and I saw something today that they uh, SpaceX is now testing a new steel uh, pad for underneath the stage zero for starship
3: i haven't seen that and
2: uh it's essentially like a steel plate and they just launched like how many plasma. inches thick is it um so as a spacex is already testing tech that could strengthen the ground beneath its giant starship's rocket orbital pad for good reason. <laughs> created what? A, because the entire crater. foundation was evaporated?
1: Well, I, I was about to say Race Chaser Dad probably got a massive order for a bunch of steel. Oh, yeah. He's like, what the hell are these guys doing? Some cold rolled steel. Cold rolled steel.
3: Like, no, honestly, what are the dimensions of this thing? It's got to be like three feet thick of just steel.
2: Yeah, so it says it's a massive water-cooled steel plate to go underneath the launch Oh, that makes sense. Mount. Um,
3: like run radiant water through it or, you know, like a radiator system through it yeah, to keep it cool.
2: I think that, or I, I don't know if it's, it doesn't really say here on this particular article, but they launched essentially like a plasma beam at it. <laughs> like, like the static fire, you know, those you see those uh, static fire tests of the Raptor engines where it's like horizontal with the ground. Yeah. And that thing is just locked in and they just light it up at full blast. And it just, it, it, they essentially just put this plate like right in front of one of those and just
1: burnt it. Um, this is the the video here. I'll show you. Do share. You could you could fry an egg on that after it's after oh, the rockets. Been.
2: You, you at, could cook a damn cow. Look at the look at that plasma flare, just like blasting the shit out of this plate. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like a
3: blowtorch.
2: Yeah, just. I love that. Like we will melt this metal. It just reminds me of like. Um, like, that. almost like a um, an action movie or something where they're like we've got to do more testing and then they like they pan to the scene where they just have the steel plate <laughs> and they just blast it with fire and all like the investors and stuff have these like sh- shields <laughs> on and they're standing behind like a glass wall <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. very good it's taking to it nicely it's taking form no it's it's just such a like cartoony way to solve that like it's like out in public he's just blast it with I a still f- don't plasma. understand why so it, like why it disintegrated as badly as it did. I mean, it
3: was like, like we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. It, it is like a crater in Earth.
2: Because so I read more into it, and I actually was talking to a coworker about it. And obviously, it made a crater into the Earth. But the underneath that stage zero was concrete, so they had like a concrete pad. But it just completely just like it blew it, through. It, you
3: have to think that that has an effect on the. Like the lift that they get too when mm. you don't have as much resistance pushing back at you. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's it's a less efficient launch.
2: Yeah, it is, and like yeah, just the pure physics of it of what lift is. It's I mean it's got to propel itself up off the ground, and if the ground below it is disintegrating, is, <laughs> is, yeah. is
1: literally disintegrating beneath it.
2: But it does. So there's no. It doesn't sound like the dimensions, or like it might have been just purely a test, and in, in the uh, the thickness of it was maybe just not released, but. It was a. It's a massive water-cooled steel plate. So when, I think with the water-cooled part, I don't. I think it's solid. But from that video, it looks like they're just constantly blasting it with water, which is like what they did yeah. with the Saturn V. But I think that's what okay. they mean by water-cooled. So <laughs> like water cooled So it's not like, it's like a cool water, like a system. In, yeah, yeah. It looked to me like it was just getting blasted with water, and then. Um, that's what you have to do. Yeah. But it says uh, the steel plate will go directly underneath the launch mount, and the test was a methane-fueled full Raptor engine that was ignited at full force, hitting the beam uh, and all of the streams of water, it uh, generated 230 tons of thrust just directly like point blank at that steel. Hmm. But the whole, all 33 of them in harmony generate 17 million pounds of thrust. Oh, so right. I don't know, 17 million versus 230 tons, obviously different measurement, but obviously the <laughs> 17 is much, much more. I mean, it's, you're talking.
1: Yeah. That, that thing, uh, yeah, we, I know we talked about it quite a bit last time around, but man, that thing just the the crackle it made mm-hmm. in this oh man, it was uh it was glorious. I can't wait for the next one to go up. Yep. They said yeah, uh, it, within a couple months I hear. That's a good way of describing it.
3: it it's a crackle, not like a roar. It, it it's this you're like hearing these pops of energy versus like a, I was anticipating more of like a you know, you get that like like yeah. just air and like a roar. It yeah. was much more of a like a crackle, almost like a rip, like it, the air is ripping, yeah.
1: yeah yeah it sound it sounded just like a Saturn v going up, like if you watch an old footage or something like that, like the c n n documentary I thought, I thought it sounded different did you yeah, okay, well, I, I thought know. it sounded similar if you if you watch the c n n documentary of Apollo eleven mm-hmm. yeah, they have like full on like h d footage of everything oh yeah it's, and great. it's just it, there's no commentary there's nothing it's just like watching it as it happened and it it so- sounds very similar yeah okay. so we'll have to show you that that's yeah. actually good but
2: just speaking about like experiencing um watching these rockets on screen like that as a quick aside that documentary if you haven't seen it it was actually it came out in the theater and we i think we saw it in the theater yeah so it was like made by cnn but it was a full feature film but like no there's no narrator it's just like the ambient yeah. footage of the whole day I'll and everything. To, it's I'll so cool. To, I have hmm. it. So I'll have to show that. Yeah. Maybe when yeah. we're done, I'll show you real it's quick. So, so cool. Um, but yeah, the way that it rips through the air, it almost is like when you, you know, you see like in like action movies or world war two movies, like when bullets are flying people, it kind of make past people. It makes like that ripping noise. Yeah. Because it's just breaking through the air. And this thing being completely stainless steel is essentially just like a massive bullet (laughs) um, bullet. up into the sky. And so it just rips through the air in such a way that's, yeah, it's very impressive. But the, the fact that the thing you were bringing up Nathan about like the disintegrating ground and how inefficient that was. And I think it actually, it, it, it clearly was with the rockets or the Raptor engines that they lost. Yeah. Like immediately three of them were out. Uh, later, a few more were out and it's just cause yeah they were just getting blasted with concrete and I think I read that that van that got decked was from like a piece of concrete that just blasted really you know far enough away um, and it just nailed this this van so it, yeah the steel plate thing is was probably always the plan and I feel like I feel like with Elon it's like just just launch it and yeah. see what the happens the steel plate
1: wasn't fully complete yet. yeah something so like, like that yeah, that I wonder if insurance covers that <laughs> with that van. They file a claim. Call flow. Yeah. Well, sorry, sir, we don't cover flying uh <laughs> massive chunks of concrete. <laughs> we do cover asteroids. Yeah. But we don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's gonna be wild to see it go up with the full understanding of everything they've gained from the first launch. Yeah. It'd be really cool. So in a couple of months, I think, is what I heard. Yeah. And hopefully that'll be a little more uh, confidence inspiring for everyday astronaut and his uh, colleagues that will be joining the
1: launch. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the next launch will be very uh, telling as in terms of, you know, how much they learned um, coming out of the first launch. And I think obviously we talked about the first launch was clearly like a stress test. Yeah. So the next launch, if I was on that crew, I'd be, Really hoping that thing, like, is a yeah. su- like full success? Like, all right, come on, guys. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> we're, we're close to, yeah. uh, I mean, obviously, there's still some time. But, I mean, every time they launch one of those things, it, I can't even imagine how much money it costs. Yeah. But for sure. We're counting T-minus yeah. a year down for the Eclipse, and
2: they're counting, you know, almost like maybe a little bit more, but kind of the same thing. But for launching on top of
1: this bullet, yeah, uh, it's just they, it's incredible. They probably only have, I mean, I would imagine, like, they've got a, uh, a very, I would think, semi strict budget, and how many of these starships do they have at their disposal mm-hmm. before they're going to send people on top? You know, yeah. So they're they're yeah. probably thinking, okay,
2: yep. One each of the ones one in the one of the ones in the bay is like going to be the one, or like yeah. that's yeah. They're yeah. at that point where they've they've built. That's why they've built Starbase in Boca Chica. I mean, it really has become almost like a th- you know you Cape Canaveral you've got Vandenberg air force base in California and then now you have Boca Chica. It's just like another launch site. It's pretty cool and and it will become that. So, but yeah, uh, we'll transition here shortly into our interview with, with Gordon, but the eclipse stuff. I mean, there's nothing real better, much better than listening to him talk to get you excited about the eclipse. Um, He has put all the effort in and all the work in. So definitely take a listen and uh you'll want your notepad out uh because he's got some really good tips uh, David for fortunately had one yeah, when, we I were, did.
3: when we were uh, I did, yeah. talking to him because there was a few things we had to write down Yeah,
2: absolutely yeah, yeah and um yeah we're looking forward to to staying connected with him he's been really um generous in in his feedback of our podcast as well um he he seems to really enjoy it and understands what we're doing as what well, you know with the passion behind the podcast itself uh, and what we've done with the cycling team, and how our sphere of influence with everything that we do, will initiate uh, quite a few people that may not have gone down to go down, yeah. Um, yeah. or or go to the eclipse. Not necessarily go down. Depends obviously on where you live. But um, very appreciative of his time, and uh, definitely hope you enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: before we get to it though, I'm I'm just gonna let you boys know. There's been a number of hints dropped. I was in between to, uh, last recording mm-hmm. and this recording, so for I don't want to carry this over for another month. Like
2: yep. okay. I, I like playing the game. You're gonna have to handhold us a little.
3: Does anyone have maybe a guess as to the plan of the month for the last two months?
1: Several hints dropped. You yes. said between. I didn't pick up on any of these hints, um, so I'm gonna have to wing it. But I'll let you go first, Matt. If you, I, do you want me to like feed the horse to the water?
2: Mm,
3: maybe. So I dropped a hint as we left Grattan this week.
1: Think about that. Mm, uh well, I. There was a planet in the sky as we left.
2: The planet of the month is Jupiter. I'm sorry, Matt. You're incorrect. Okay. Well, Venus. A, you're correct. There we go. I got it. You got it. You Save saved the day. This. You saved this game is dead. This game is dead. it's been
1: it's been a while since I've uh It's been, been, a, been this yeah, Captain Planet. It's been a journey. It, it it has been, but yeah, it was Venus in the sky. Uh, it was so bright. It's been
3: so bright on the horizon. Yeah. I sent so I sent you guys a photo shortly after our last recording of like check out Venus on the horizon. This was like mm. right after I put the kids to bed
2: you i see so you, you remember played, that uh, yeah but you so you, you were playing the yeah. long the long haul and then
3: one. at Gradon i was like oh like as we were loading up i said oh check out venus oh
2: man you've played us wow that yeah I, that's that's good i tried i, I yeah. was telling you what planet it was
1: <laughs> i see i thought the rules of the game were you actually had to drop the hints on air while well, we were recording but I, you guys
3: needed help because I dropped them last recording and you didn't yeah. pick up on it, yeah. so oh, okay. then I was like, "Oh, look at
2: Venus! Oh, here's a photo <laughs> of Venus!" <laughs> oh man! So okay. David, David uh, won. I'm back. Won the crown. He's I'm back. back. All right. We'll, I, I got. It. We'll step it up. We'll step it up. Planet of the Month. Uh, always. a joy. I know kill this game. It's. Done. <laughs> I, know,
1: I know you. I mean, stab it with a wooden <laughs> stick. I mean, our our listeners probably are. I mean we we teased him for about five months before we actually remembered yeah to do we could come up
3: with a new
2: game
1: okay
3: next next month okay you won you come up with a new
2: game there we go and we'll transition it um, oh boy. <laughs> Cause right now it's probably like people, uh, listeners here planet of the month. And you know, if you're in your car, you can hit the 30 seconds skip. Like they're just yeah. like skips. Skip. <laughs> <laughs> These assholes. Oh, fuck. It's been Venus for the last six <laughs> yeah. weeks. We all knew.
1: Yeah. Um, no, it's, I mean, I it's we've fun. gone through all of the planets. So yeah, far, I feel like so. it's
2: the game is starting to become tired. So we'll, that sounds like a all good right. idea. Come up with a new game. Dave. Okay. Yep. It's we'll we'll figure something out.
1: That'll be good. So I'll, I'll I will announce it. Um, Within the coming weeks, yes, and then we'll know beforehand. I, I'm not going to announce it on the next episode what the game is, so we can then, actually play it. Yeah, we can actually right. play it. We Very have good. some prep, right. just like prepping for an eclipse. Okay, which is a great segue. It's going to be awesome.
3: Matt can post it to the socials, and then our listeners will be prepared as well, and they can play along. That would be that'd be fun. A yeah. game that they could play along. Yeah, that uh yeah that that'd be awesome. So send in your answers via social media that's a good idea and
2: and yeah we'll can do a trivia we'll
3: randomly draw a winner they get a uh we'll give them six underbergs.
2: yeah and you can yeah exactly it'd be some sort of cool incentive and you can do those like a uh, quiz or like the trivia thing like is it this or this on instagram stories so yeah like, there we go yeah that could be, that could be good but get we'll, votes we'll, yeah. and then uh
3: yeah if, if you win we'll send you some underbergs and some swag that'd be sweet good idea working on new swag too by the way yes we are we are
2: so it's, uh, it's good. Uh, the weather is turning, and we are all out of the depths of winter. So that's a good thing. I uh, hope you enjoy this interview with Dr. Gordon Telepin, and uh, cheers to episode 64. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.
3: Eclipse on Tap is also brought to you by Speciation Artisan Ales, one of our favorite spots. The
1: best sour ales in town, if best, not anywhere. The best for an a end-of-bike-ride stop, which is what we usually do.
3: We go for the sour ales. They've also got ciders, seltzers, wines, underberg. Yeah, really anything I mean, you can eat. Yeah. Very unique, awesome flavors. Get a flight. I mean, you can taste a number of different types of beers, ciders, whatever your palate desires.
2: Absolutely. Located on Wealthy Street in Grand Rapids, check it out. Welcome back from the break. Episode 64, we're back with a very special guest, and uh, Nathan's going to roll us in there (laughs) with a little crack. But we have a very special guest on episode 64 um, this fine May evening, Dr. Gordon Telepin. Welcome, Gordon.
0: Uh, Thank you, guys. I appreciate being on the show. I really do.
2: We're very uh, happy to have you. And so for those that don't know, uh, Dr. Gordon Telepin is a a foremost eclipse chaser, I would say. Is that correct, Gordon?
0: Well, you know, there's certainly people who have been to more of them. I mean, I've been to five eclipses around the world, so it's not, you know, not a world record for the number. But I think I've spent a lot of time trying to develop tools to educate about them.
2: That's amazing. Five eclipses. When did you start?
0: My first one was in 2001 when I went to Zambia, Africa. Okay. Oh, wow.
2: And what was the... Uh, one of the things that, you know, when we were getting to know you uh, just back and forth um, via Twitter and, 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 and email, of course, um, I was curious to know what inspired your passion for eclipses really from that point when you really ultimately decided to go down to Zambia for the 2001?
0: Yeah, so I'll tell you the quick story. I... When I was little, and I don't remember what age it would be, it would probably be between 10 and 12, I've tried to look back at the eclipse that it would have been. But it was during the summer. I was at a summer vacation with my parents on the beach in New Jersey, and there was a total eclipse in Canada and we saw the partial eclipse in New Jersey, right, because we were outside of the Umbra. So I saw a partial eclipse as a little kid and my dad knew about it, I didn't know about it, but he knew about it and he brought welding glasses to the beach on our summer vacation so we can watch it. So that's always kinda been in the back of my mind and then all through school I was into the space program and rockets and astronomy and then knew about solar eclipses and, and wanted to get to one, but you know, I'm, you know, I'm a plastic surgeon, so all my years of um, being in school, you know, college and medical school and training, I, I just couldn't get to one. Um, the first one that was really on my radar screen was of course the big one in Mexico in in 1991 because that was over a 6 minute eclipse but you know I couldn't get to that that was my first year of plastic surgery training and uh-huh. I don't know if you got, if you guys know anything about residencies residencies kind of always start in in the beginning of the summer like in, in June and there's no way to get a vacation in in the summer in in residency so I couldn't go in 91 and then there, there was another one in 98, which was in Aruba. But again, I was in my kind of my fifth year of my private practice, and I just couldn't leave the practice at that point to get down to Aruba. So the first one I could really get to was in 2001. And you guys know that when you're eclipse chasing, you, you kind of balance... Three major things, and the three major things are the weather. You need to have good weather, obviously. The totality duration, and the logistics of getting to the eclipse, especially if you're traveling internationally. So in 1991, it was perfect. It's the middle of the dry season in Zambia, so there's like a 99% chance that it's going to be clear. Perfect. It was a three a three minute and 53 second eclipse, so that's a great long eclipse to go to, and the eclipse went right over Lusaka zambia so you could fly right into the path so that's those are the three main things you you deal with weather uh totality duration and logistics and if all of those line up it's a good eclipse to go to
3: so how was your first eclipse what like you know you've missed a couple now through med school and starting your practice
0: right what what is it like when you finally get to totality it's it's wonderful. It The whole eclipse experience is actually wonderful. It's actually more than just totality, but that 2001 eclipse is kind of what started me on my journey to develop, you know, the mobile app I developed and then this past couple of years to write the book. Because I was preparing for that eclipse like crazy because I'm a photographer and I read all of the stuff that Fred Espinek had published about how to photograph an eclipse. And I studied it. I had his book. And I practiced at home in my living room. I, I really thought I was ready. But when you get to an eclipse and that last couple of minutes is happening before totality, you are completely distracted. So all of my practice went out the window. I, I was late. <laughs> I I was late getting all my images into second contact. It happened before I was ready. You can't, it's so exciting that you can't follow your watch. And then I was watching the eclipse, you know, during totality, and I was late when C3 was happening. Because again, you totally lose track of time. So I got back to the States after that, and I developed uh, for Windows and for Windows Pocket PC the first Eclipse talking timer. And that was to help photographers, so you didn't have to look at your watch. That the program talked to you, so it counted down to the contact time, count, counted down to the contact times, so you could be at your camera, and you were told when things were happening. You didn't have to look at your watch. So that was the genesis, kind of, of this journey that I've been on. And we used that Windows timer in 2002, and it worked great. Uh, there's some issues with it back then because we didn't have geolocation, so you had to put in your contact times manually. Mm. But then when smartphones came out and 2017 was rolling around, I knew I had to develop it for the smart mo- the smartphones and, and take advantage of geolocation.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, we our first eclipse was 2017. Uh, David and I went down to Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Sure. And it was... It was amazing, but but you what you were saying is definitely the point of you know we always say keep it fluid with your plans because especially if you're traveling in a place with some some degree of cloud cover. Uh, we ended up having to do that a bit that day, but ended up stumbling upon what was kind of the the epicenter of totality of that for that 2017. It was surreal, absolutely surreal.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing. I, everybody needs to you know experience at least one, and that's been my passion.
1: So the process of uh, making the uh, the actual app and having it ready for 2017, did you have it year maybe a year in advance? Um, how did that all I guess unfold for you?
0: Um, I started the process about a, a year before the eclipse, the summer before the eclipse, and it actually took about six months to develop the the first app so it really wasn't uh, available i think until about february before the august eclipse that year okay we
2: would have loved to have that yeah we didn't even know about it yeah we didn't know about it at the time mm-hmm. um but i feel like that's the beauty of having the 2024 eclipse with such a relatively short span in the united states between totality events of this magnitude i guess um I feel like that's the advantage that the public has, right? They saw if they missed 2017, perfect, you have another chance in 2024. So I think I would imagine that a lot more people would use your app, even even more so than 2017.
0: You know, I don't know. I hope so. The app is in version 4 right now. You know, 17 was version 1, and it worked great. Uh, But I've added things. It's uh, better. I, I think the program... Uh, The the app was stable in 2017, but, you know, Apple and Google changed the baseline operating system a lot through time. So you have to keep up. You have to continue to improve the the software, the programming to to make sure it's stable. And versions four, which is out there right now, is really solid. I, I think it'll perform well.
3: And I'm sorry, I might have missed it, but what's the name of the app?
0: So the app is called Solar Eclipse Timer. Very, very easy to okay. remember. Solar Eclipse Timer, and so that's also linked, you know, uh, to my website, which is Solar Eclipse Timer, and my YouTube channel is Solar Eclipse Timer. So everything is called Solar Eclipse Timer. So it's kind of easy to remember the name.
3: We can't have you enter here and not get the uh, the social <laughs> yeah. where, where everybody can track you down.
2: Yes, for sure. Yeah. Definitely, definitely nice where people can find you uh, and find this app for a resource in 2024. And I feel like with the photography, we got we were in the same boat that you were describing in 2001. First of all, we were definitely far more beginner photographers. So we were not fully prepared with our equipment. But the timing of it was impossible almost on that first attempt. Uh, We did get one we did get one photo and it was I felt like it was pretty decent, but um, I think it was really good. Yeah, it was good yeah. for for the type of camera we were using, and for 2024, we've got a better camera now, and we're looking forward to to taking some nicer photos. And and I think the segue I was trying to make there was with the solar eclipse timer app. How you were describing, you don't have to utilize your watch. You can focus on what you're looking at. You can focus on uh, the practice you put in with the timing of the of the photography. And I imagine with your app, the number of uh, are you know, amateur astronomy photographers probably has taken far better eclipse photos. I would imagine a lot oh, more.
0: Yeah, let me tell you, guys, um, it, it warms my heart even from 2017 when I hear stories from people how the app helped them enjoy the eclipse. Um, So not only with the photography, I mean, I've heard great stories about, about that. But one of the things I love is like before Second Contact, where my app will remind people to look for shadow bands because a lot of people will forget. And so there's these videos out on the internet, and you can hear my app in the background, you know, saying observe for shadow bands. And all these people will look down at the ground, and they'll get really excited, and they'll say, hey, hey, look at that, look at that. They know they're moving. The other one I love is during totality, right after the warning tone for Max Eclipse, I have a little statement that says, observe the horizon, you know, very simple, so that people take the time to look at the 360-degree horizon with the colors on the horizon. Uh, because a lot of people forget that. They're so focused on totality, the time goes very quickly, and they don't, they don't remember to look at the horizon around them. So there's plenty of videos out there, you know, with a dad holding a video camera, and you hear my app in the background say, observe the horizon. And then you see the dad, you know, spinning that, the camera around. He's turning around 360 degrees and looking at the horizon and telling everybody to look. So, I mean, stories like that and seeing those videos of people enjoying the eclipse more because the app is telling them what to do is is why I do all this work. Yeah. I think- do you narrate the app? Then like when you yeah, get the, okay. Yeah, it's my voice recorded in there okay. and it plays it plays the statements at, at certain times. So the, the thing about the app um, that's beautiful, it's really easy to use, even for complete eclipse novices, because it's not all about eclipse photography. When you get into the path of totality, my app, my app is not a mapping program. It's not meant to be a mapping program. You have to know where to go. But once you know where you're going to go, it's basically a two- or three-tap setup. I mean, you geolocate at your position. The app automatically calculates the contact times in, in universal time at first. And then when you load them into the timer, the main timer screen, it converts it to the local time. And then the app is armed. I mean, it's going to talk you through the eclipse. So it's going to count down to first contact. And then between first contact and second contact, it's going to remind you to observe for the partial phase phenomena, which means that there's three different times it will remind you to to decide if you're feeling the temperature decrease. It says observe for temperature decreases. It reminds you to take the pinhole projection images of the crescent phases, you know, being projected through the leaves on a tree or through a colander. It reminds you to take pictures of the the way the shadows change during an eclipse because the crescent phases change the way the light from the sun actually strikes the earth. And then it reminds you to observe for animal behavior changes, uh, and then the changes in ambient lighting and the Purkinje effect, and then shadow bands, and then it counts down to second contact. So it really lets you enjoy that hour and a half between first contact and second contact because it gets you engaged in the other great eclipse phenomena that really sometimes can only happen during an eclipse.
1: Right, yeah. I think there's a lot of things that we were looking around for during the eclipse in 2017 and we probably missed a few of them. But um, yeah, the temperature drop, we were kinda just you know, rolling with it as it came, but um, the temperature drop was the first thing we noticed. But sure. having having those cues and something to go along with would be so helpful. wish we would have had that. I wish so too. Yeah.
2: yeah. It was a situation where we were certainly noticing things, but, um, the timing of it wasn't expected, which in some ways was, it, we were just, our mind was continuously being blown during that hour and a half because we're all just sitting there in the state of preparation, but then notice, Oh wow, it's a lot cooler. You know, it was a very hot day for us in Kentucky and, right. um, it was markedly cooler and we were like, wow, this is, this is nice. So that, and then you start to realize what's actually happening. And, uh, yeah, we, it was so much fun. Um, I cannot wait for 2024. So yeah, that, that's one, one thing we were interested to hear for, from your side too, before we uh, even transition into the book you've written in preparation for 2024 is talking through, you know, now that we're less than a year away, um, I'm sure you've got plans. Do you, uh, do you know where you're going to go yet?
0: Yeah, so I have, um, my primary observing position is going to be just northwest of Austin, Texas, in the path in Texas, because, you know, Texas has the best predicted weather chances out of the whole country. You know, the best weather chances are in Mexico, actually on the coast of Mexico. But I didn't want to turn this eclipse into an international Eclipse that I have to fly to, right. because I want to take a lot of cameras and a lot of equipment for my experiments, and um, so I want to be able to drive to it. So my my primary observing site is in Texas.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, we're thinking somewhere in that area as well. We were thinking San Antonio, um, mm-hmm. but we're also considering maybe uh, Arkansas as well. So we'll have sure. to we'll have to see here. We'll be settling on that very soon. But we're excited. We're excited to make that plan and that pilgrimage back down to the eclipse once again.
0: Yeah, no, it, it'll it'll be a great one. Um, I'm excited for the country to have one, you know, two of them within seven years. So um, this eclipse is a longer eclipse. You know, it's four minutes over four minutes and twenty seconds in Texas, and it stays over four minutes halfway through Indiana, and even exiting Maine, it's about three minutes and twenty seconds. I think. So I mean, it's it's a long eclipse. And this eclipse will have a lot more hype. I know a lot of people who missed 2017, and then when all their friends came back and told them how great it was, those people are definitely not gonna miss 24. And a lot of people who saw 17 are going to want to see another one. So it's gonna be a very, very busy eclipse.
1: Yeah, that's why we're here, actually. We started this whole podcast for it, just Mm -hmm. to get people excited about it, Um, yeah. Yeah. Same, yeah. same thing. It was, it was, a, it was a
2: situation where we got back to Michigan our where we live in uh, Grand Rapids, which is the West side right. of the state. And I believe, you know, Grand Rapids got a really nice partial, but it was right. a situation where people we would be kind of reconnecting with after the eclipse and we'd be talking about it and I'd say, Oh yeah, yeah, we saw the eclipse. It was, you know, we got our eclipse glasses out. We saw right. it and we were like, but you didn't really, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. so we we felt we were like we need to share, we need to create something to build up hype for this 2024 eclipse, and so the podcast was born, and it's been it's been an amazing journey, and we've felt uh, um, a lot of those same rewarding moments, not nearly to the extent that you've described with your app and, and seeing the videos, but but knowing that we've influenced some folks uh, in our sphere, uh, you know, our whether it's through cycling, we're all passionate cyclists, um, or through beer drinking or whatever it may be, we've influenced a a number of people that we're really excited about, um, and I think they are as well.
0: No, I think you guys are doing a great job. I mean, anybody you can get to get excited about getting to an eclipse and at least seeing one is a really great thing. Now remember, I have been passionate about it and and traveled around the world to do it. A lot of people are not going to want to do that. The next eclipse that's going to hit the United States is going to be 2044, uh, and it's just this little little path that ends in, I think, Montana and North Dakota. So even at the Canadian border, it's only, I think, one minute and 40 seconds. Mm. And then the next year, in 2045, there's a big eclipse crossing the country. It's very similar to the path in 2017. But, I mean, that's over 20 years from now. And in Florida the total duration on the coast of Florida, the totality duration will be six minutes and six seconds. So that'll be a great one if you want to wait that long. But in between now and then, it's all international travel. So if you want to get a four-minute eclipse and stay domestically, you know, this is the one to hit. Yeah. Let me talk about one other nuance of this eclipse that you guys and your listeners have to keep in mind. So picture this. The 2017 eclipse crossed the country from Oregon to South Carolina. Now, if you guys, it's a little bit different in the north where you are, but if you follow the weather patterns in the south, you'll see that a lot of times the weather patterns are kind of vertical, with a little bit of a slant to the north, and they also kind of move to the northeast. So why is that important? In 2017, those type of weather patterns were crossing the eclipse path perpendicularly. In 2024, the shape of the weather patterns in the south matched the path. Okay, So what I'm saying is, if we have a bad day that day, many, many hundreds of miles of the path could be under a bad weather system because they, they, they're going to overlap. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my point is, and, and this is what I have done already, I have a primary observing site um, reserved in outside of Austin, Texas, but I have a secondary observing site already observed in Missouri, 600 miles away. Because this is not like 2017 where the morning of the eclipse you might decide to drive 150 miles to the east or 150 miles to the west. With this eclipse, if you're in bad weather, you're going to have to travel a long distance potentially depending on the shape of those southern weather patterns. So keep that in mind. Y- you guys might be better off just staying in Ohio mm-hmm. than going all the way right. down to Texas. Do yeah, understand? that's a
2: really good point and something I feel like I, s- I definitely have not considered and it's um, something that our listeners will ser- definitely appreciate. I mean, that's that makes a lot of sense because when when we were at 2017 it was a situation where we felt like we could have driven just a short while. Like if there was clouds rolling in, we could have gone 40 minutes to the south or something, southwest and and been okay or whatever it was. Um, But yeah, 600-mile difference is a a big, big difference. The man is prepared for everything. Yes.
0: Yeah. 24 is different because of the shape of the path and the shape of the southern weather fronts usually. Um, So just kind of keep that in mind. I mean, look – Everybody's got to start to watch the weather a week before, um, and and then make your final decision about where to go about three days before, based on weather. I mean, yep.
1: gotta keep you know, it I'm,
0: fluid. Yeah, I'm praying for good weather in Texas because I've got a great site to go to, but my my goal is to see this eclipse and so let me just another reason to see this eclipse and not miss it you know my app just worked in Australia so there's a hybrid eclipse in Australia uh, April 20th of 2023 I couldn't go to Australia for this one but the wonderful thing the pictures of the corona out of Australia are amazing And, and the reason is we are heading towards a solar maximum So when there's a solar maximum, there's a lot more even energy distributed around the sun, a lot more sunspots, a lot more electromagnetic fields happening. So the corona becomes very symmetrical around the sun. If you guys look at some of the corona pictures from a month ago in in Australia, you'll see what I mean. So another year from now, we're going to be even closer to a good solar maximum. So this will be a great eclipse to see. Now asymmetric. Coronas are beautiful. I mean, the 2017 eclipse was beautiful. It had a couple little odd spikes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I was in South America for 2019. That was very asymmetrical. It was very horizontal. Uh, that's beautiful. But symmetrical eclipses or symmetrical corona filaments are also beautiful. So 24 is going to be beautiful because of that.
1: I'm yeah. getting really excited. Yeah. I, th- I was going to say, we might be uh, your best friends calling you up about four <laughs> days before 2024 to check where you're, g- you're going to go. So yeah. <laughs> um, this, that's what, kind of what we had to do this this last go around in 2017. We almost went to Carbondale. but Yeah, almost, yeah. but it was cloudy. It was going to yeah. be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's that great video in Carbondale where they had like, I don't know, 10 or 12,000 people in the university stadium there. And a cloud came over right at the wrong time, and all those people that were in that stadium missed it. Um, oh, they missed yeah. seeing a good corona. So yeah, you can't you can't obligate yourself to uh, one spot. Yeah, I have a question with regard to the app. Yeah, when
3: how many eclipses did it take you experiencing before you realized that you needed to look for all those different things like the the 360 degree horizon the you know, the, the animals, the weather, like, was that something that you took in on the first one or was that something that it it took experiencing two or three to like, all right, these are the things that people need to look for when they get to an eclipse.
0: You know, that's a great question. And the answer is, is a little bit layered. My first app, the first one I made in 2002, um, had partial phase phenomena announcements in it, so I uh, even in for my first app, I I talked about observing for the um, for the changes in temperature. Uh, observing for animal changes, and I believe observing for shadow bands. So I was all over that, even with the first one. But 2017, I added other things about uh, lighting, uh, and I think sharp and fuzzy shadows. Because as I've gone to more eclipses, I've really studied the partial phase phenomena. And I'm probably, you know, the person who's wrote, written most more of details about that probably that anybody really wants to read about, to be honest with you, but it's a passion of mine. So, uh, you know, I I just like to get the the details out there for people. But yeah, I was into the partial phase phenomena right from my first eclipse.
2: Okay, that's awesome. And that's actually, I feel like, a fantastic segue into your most recent endeavor, which is this fantastic book you've written, uh, Totality 2024 and more. Um, And tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about the book and maybe the process of what it took to make
0: sure so when i was preparing for my eclipses right from the beginning remember that was before the internet was flooded with eclipse information it was before youtube and it was before smartphones so when you wanted to learn about an eclipse you had to buy the books so i bought all the eclipse books out there and then After I got done with 2019 in Argentina, it occurred to me that the preparation books, I mean, the eclipse books that are out there are not good preparation books because they're written in kind of a fragmented way. They're written in chapters that are about a subject, but they're not written about the eclipse. So if you buy a... An eclipse book. There may be a chapter on photography. There may be a chapter on the astronomy. Um, there will be a they, they always love to spend a lot of time on history, and some of them will spend way too much time on the the, the, the technical details of the Saros cycle, which nobody wants to read. And my my thing was. After 17, I realized there a lot of families need to enjoy this eclipse. And if some mom or dad goes out and buys an eclipse book, and in the first chapter there's a picture of Stonehenge or Chinese dragons, because they're talking about the history of eclipse, that doesn't help them prepare for eclipse day. So the books that were out there, you had to read a lot of different places. And then you had to coalesce that information for yourself. You had to do all the work. So after 2019, when I had a really good eclipse and I got a lot of good partial phase phenomena data, I had this idea that I should write a book that follows the progression of an eclipse, not follows the chapters that astronomers want to write about. I wanted to write a book that followed the eclipse, so what, what's different about my book is when you read, like, First Contact, or you read the chapter on the, the first partial phases, everything you need to know about that particular segment of the eclipse is all mixed together in that chapter. So it's how do you prepare for it? What is the astronomy of it? Why are you positioned where you're positioned, and, and what are you going to see? How are you going to photograph it? What, how are you going to use video if you want to video it? Um, what, what are the phenomena that might happen during it? So, in that chapter, as you're following an eclipse, you have all the information you need to know, and then you go, like, you go to the next chapter. So, I have it in front of me, like, chapter one is how to choose your observing site. Chapter two is all about what first contact is, the astronomy of first contact. Uh, Chapter three is what's happening during the partial phases, and then it gets into the, you know, the chapters that are the partial phase phenomena, like temperature, pinhole projection, sharp and fuzzy shadows, eclipse breezes, and all of those chapters follow the way my app makes the announcements, so my app and the book work together to teach you what's going to happen during the eclipse, so it's a totally new concept in eclipse preparation books, and you know, my early feedback has been wonderful. People have really enjoyed it.
3: Doctor Telepin, I've got to say, i like, you you have thought of everything. I mean, th- there is no better textbook or roadmap for going to see an eclipse. This is this is really cool to hear about. I'm I'm very very impressed.
0: Yeah. Well, I sent you guys the PDF, right? I mean, you yeah. have we the yep. PDF. And I think you have version one of the PDF. I, I need to. Um, I'll send you version two, so you have some updated pictures awesome. and, and things. Yeah. Thank
2: you. Yeah, we really enjoyed the uh, flipping through the first e- the ebook the we from the Apple Books um, page, and it was it's fantastic. And you're you've recently published it hard copy, correct? Yeah, I have. Awesome. So where can people get the ebook or the uh, hard copy?
0: So all of the links to the different um, places that it's available are on my wa- my main website, you know, www.solarclipsetimer.com. So everything's always, always Solar Eclipse Timer. And right on the, the front page, I have the link to the Apple Store if you want to download the iPad version. Then I have the link to the Google Store if you have an Android tablet. Then I have a link to the digital distributor that I use to take care of downloading the PDF file. And then recently I added the link to go to my Shopify store where I'm selling the book through Shopify.
2: That's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have to definitely buy the uh, hard copy and make that a, a an absolute must for the packing of the 2024 preparation. It's going to be you know, fantastic.
0: Uh, something I didn't want to publish this in hard copy. When I started out doing this book digitally, I was enamored with iPads, because I had an Eclipse book on on an iPad, and having it multimedia, having videos embedded, having audio embedded, and having picture galleries that you could swipe through. But to be honest with you, there's so much information in this book, and it's so long, and there's so many pictures, it's actually hard to appreciate on a tablet by swiping one page at a time. When you have the physical book in your hand, and you can kind of pick through it, and and see it, it, not to make a pun, but see it in its totality and just stop on a page and read that page because it's interesting to you. It's a whole different ballgame. So like I sent the PDF file to an astronomer in Arkansas and never really heard back from him. I mean I know he got it, he said he got it, but never really really heard back from him. And then I sent him a hard copy of the book about two weeks ago and within about five days he posted this amazing review to his his Facebook page just telling everybody no matter what you do you have to get this book. It's like the most amazing thing for eclipse preparation. You have to get the book. It's
1: and so awesome. that
0: made me that made me realize that the book form is wor- was worth doing it. It was a lot of work. Um, to change the multimedia book into something that was printable because I had to expand all of the picture galleries and um, take out all of the web links and, and put in quotes for what they were. I mean, it's a complete a complete change in in it to make it a good printed book but the problem is it's expensive you know printing is really expensive right now so i mean i can sell the digital copies at a steal you know for 9.99 mm-hmm. but to make it worthwhile to print this book and and ship it out i have to charge 49 yeah because i'm printing it locally i'm not going to you know outsource it to china i um, because I don't want to buy 2,000 of them and get stuck with it, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm printing them locally in small batches. So I don't really get a big discount, and um, but that's the way I kind of have to provide it. But uh, I think it's worth it for the people who have purchased it. Uh, they're really enjoying it. It's a it's a whole new ball game having it in your hand. We can count on us for one purchase.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, we'll be throwing that in the backpack for for that day and and in advance as well. I mean, we're looking forward to the preparation phase really ramping up here uh, where we'll be getting together with some of our uh, closest Eclipse Chaser colleagues and laying out the map, figuring it all out, looking at the weather patterns from years past and trying to make the best possible situation happen.
0: No, I understand, and, you know, the app, you can get the day before and figure it out. Mm-hmm. The book, you have to get, really, at least a couple of months before to figure it out. It's actually a very easy read. I mean, it's a lot of pages, but 50% of it is diagrams and and photos. I mean, I have a couple of hundred diagrams in it, a couple of hundred of my own photos in it, um, so it's a really, really easy read. I tell people that if you just looked at the pictures and read the captions, you would know more than 98% of the people that are going to show up at the eclipse. You don't even have to read the text.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And again, it's focused, it's 100% focused on preparation. There's no wasted space. Like I say, I, I don't talk about eclipse history I don't get details, you know, give big details about the sorrow cycle. I'm not trying to talk about the experience of being on an Eclipse. I don't waste time on that. It's it's 100% focused on getting you ready so you can enjoy the entire day from first contact to fourth contact.
1: And I think just having the book there with you on the day, I mean, that's going to be... It's, a, it's like, a point of reference. Yeah, point of yeah. reference. You can... Um, prepare ahead of time and then bring it with you and then have the app going at the same time. Um, Yeah, you can't really go wrong with that. Yeah, it's an awesome solution.
0: You're right. And so one of the little nuances of my book, which I think is just a... It's kind of a design feature, is the top of each page has a complete eclipse in, in a little banner diagram from first contact to fourth contact. And under that eclipse that's happening in the banner there's 28 little arrows and those 20 little those 28 little arrows mark where the 28 chapters are happening during the eclipse and then there's a little number under under the little arrow so you what you said is exactly right you could have the book there on eclipse day and you could flip through the chapters and it is following what is happening during the day now of course when you get to Second Contact, and between Second Contact and Third Contact, everything's happening so fast, you don't have time to look at the book. That kind of stuff you've had to, you've had to prepare for you know, in, 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 in the, before the eclipse. But my point is, is that this book directs you to the information that is happening at that point of the eclipse. Um, so that's another interesting little design feature that I think will help people understand the day.
1: Absolutely. And then just being able to live in the moment and, uh, and not be distracted by anything else. I mean, that's one of the biggest things for the eclipse day. I think in general is you want to be able to focus on what's happening, take it all in and have, have, uh, done the research ahead of, ahead of time and, um, know what you're looking at and when to look at it. So
0: you know, that is an excellent point, and let me just expand on that in, in, in two ways. In the, in the introduction chapter, I, I used two analogies for eclipse preparation, and one is about the book, and it's the old um, analogy of peeling back the layers of an onion, and that's the way this book is. I mean, you could read the superficial stuff. You can go a couple of layers deeper, and then you can go really deep and get into the deep photography. So that's one of the, the ways I explain it. And you guys are sports guys, mm-hmm. so you'll, under, you'll understand this. I also explain it in this way. And you've heard um, the, the analogy that good, for good quarterbacks or good athletes, the game slows down because they know what to expect or they know how to anticipate for so for them the game slows down Absolutely. and that's 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 the way eclipse preparation is if you're prepared for an eclipse the events that seem to be happening so quickly for the unprepared will slow down for you and and I talk about that in in the introduction and and the other thing I say is that if you've never been to an eclipse I want my book to prepare you So that it's almost like you've already been to one and and you know what to expect. And if you've been to one eclipse, my book should give you the confidence to approach the day like you're at your third or fourth eclipse. So um, that's the way I wrote it. That's the way I want to help people get through the day. You've thought of everything.
3: You are uh, a true savant. Yes. Of... (laughs) of, uh, how to prepare and, and enjoy the the complete experience.
2: It's, it's like I said before, so it's impressive. quite impressive. Very, very impressive.
0: Well, look, I appreciate you guys helping me get the word out. Um, I'm passionate about it. I, I want people to enjoy it. Um, all I can do is, is do the work, you know, yep. put the YouTube videos out there. My YouTube channel, obviously, there's a ton of information out there that's completely free. My app is a dollar ninety nine to to buy the data set for two thousand and twenty four. It's an in app purchase for the for the two thousand twenty four eclipse. Mm-hmm. Believe that's me, a that's no-brainer a no brainer for anybody going. Yeah, with the amount of time and money I have invested in that app, I mean that is a steal. And um, you know, the book it really in the big picture is cheap. I, I wish I could do the printed version cheaper. I, I just can't. Um, it's just that expensive. Right.
2: Totally understandable. And I think it's still very reasonable based on what you're getting. I mean, you're getting over 500 pages of exactly a very tailored roadmap, roadmap. guidebook,
3: whatever you want to call it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. fantastic.
1: Yeah.
0: I I mean, I think it's a good value. I mean, it, it has 22 years of my experience and, and five eclipses in there, you know, tried to hone, honing down to the most important information. So, uh, I hope it's a good resource for people. Uh, I just really do.
2: Definitely. Well, we appreciate you so much too, for share, allowing us to bring this word to our listeners as well. I think everyone that listens to this podcast is going to be blown away and so impressed by what you've had to share. And, uh, we're super grateful for that. So it's been just a fantastic pleasure having you on the show.
0: Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Uh, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure speaking uh, with you three.
3: Well, and Dr. Telepin, we're going to have a lot of angry listeners if I don't get this question in before you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you think aliens are among us? Have they visited us? And I <laughs> I won't go any further, but do, do you believe that there's life outside of our solar
0: system? You know what? I... I actually think I do. Um, I don't know about aliens amongst us I, I do have I do have a little belief in in unidentified flying objects. I, I might I, I think there might be a way of transportation that we're not aware of mm-hmm. um, but I don't know I, I mean I don't know. I mean physics is physics and um, I don't know if you can bend the rules. Uh, maybe you can I, I don't know.
3: That's that's what we need. That's what the listeners are begging
2: for.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a, a,
2: a classic guest question on this on this here podcast. So, yeah. So, no, that, that was a great answer. That great answer. And once more, can you just uh, remind our listeners? So, it's um, at Solar Eclipse Timer on pretty much all the social media handles, correct?
0: Yeah. So, I think my Twitter account is at Eclipse Timer, just at Eclipse Timer. Is- okay. Is Twitter, um, but most of the information that people will need is always so searching for solar eclipse timer in okay. three words, solar eclipse timer. So that's my website. That's the YouTube channel. That's how you find the app on the app stores, and that's how you find the book in the in the um, tablet stores. And again my you know my website is the resource to have the links to everything including you know buying solar eclipse glasses I have a link to the people there from American Paper Optics in Tennessee because you know I don't sell t-shirts or coffee mugs or pendants or stickers or any of the eclipse paraphernalia mm-hmm. I mean I have two tools to prepare people for the eclipse my app and my book and I have a link to eclipse glasses because, you know, everybody needs those. Uh, that's where I spend my time.
2: An awesome, absolutely awesome resource. As Nathan said, I mean, you, there's no better resource, really. If you're planning to go to this 2024 eclipse and you want to have the best experience, Dr. Gordon Telepin is the guy. Thank you so very much, Gordon. We'll definitely stay in touch. Yeah, thank We're you. looking forward to staying in touch.
0: You guys are welcome. Let's, uh, let's do another one when we get closer. Absolutely. 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 We'll bring yeah. you
2: back on. We'll, we'll be thrilled to do so. So big cheers to you and uh, have a great rest of your night.
0: Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers.
1: cheers.